Kelly Sapine, the Chief of the Professional Qualifications and Training Section at the Division of Fire Prevention and Control. One of the programs that we um, oversee in our section is the Firefighter Safety and Disease Prevention Fund. And the fund has numerous parts to it, but two of the biggest are the Firefighter Safety and Disease Prevention Grant, which is a reimbursement grant. And what was new this year is under this fund, uh, direct distribution of PPE. The big difference between the two grants is the Firefighter Safety and Disease Prevention Grant requires an outlay of money from the departments to purchase the gear and then we reimburse them. Whereas the direct distribution, we were able to purchase as the state, purchase all the equipment and send it to departments. And so there was no outlay of money to the department to get the gear. So with me today is Chief TJ Steck from Elizabeth, Colorado, who is one of the recipients of the direct distribution of PPE funding, and really just wanted to hear from you, Chief, about how this process went, um, you know, what this gear means to you, but maybe for just the audience, maybe a little overview of your department first and sort of the budget constraints that made this an important funding stream. Well, thanks, Lisa. I love being up here. This is an awesome uh, idea of the podcast, so I appreciate you having me. Um, I am uh, the fire chief for Elizabeth uh, Fire Protection District in eastern Colorado, um, kind of southeast of Denver, if nobody knows. <clears throat> we uh, we cover about 111 square miles. Uh, we started out as a very volunteer organization and uh, have obviously with the sprawl and the growth have uh, uh, had to increase our, our career staff and uh, become more of a combination agency from there. But uh, we're getting fairly busy uh, seeing some of the suburban uh, problems that come into our area and uh, and, and are enjoying the growth. Fabulous. So um, when this funding came about, so when – For those that don't know, House Bill 22-1194 provided this $5 million for direct distribution of PPE to really – Big shout out to the legislature for seeing the needs that the fire service in Colorado have and the the problems that they have funding, really getting the life-saving gear to the firefighters, what they need to do their job safely. So when this came up, um, you went for bunker gear, wildland packs, and fire shelters. So can you explain a little bit about why you needed to go after that? You know, what's the budget like in Elizabeth as, you know, you're growing and yeah, so um, this we're actually the poster child for this this program, and um, again, legislators amazing work through DFPC and uh, Director Morgan on getting this done because uh, this this entire program has changed the fire service for rural Colorado. It's uh, it's been a big hit. Um, as you probably know, in our area, we've we've had to increase our staffing, our career members and part time members. The majority of our funding goes towards staffing and. Um, and personnel costs. Uh, what's what's important about that? Uh, we're talking, you know, seventy five percent of our budget, uh, which is about four million dollars a year, is going towards paying the boots on the ground, the people that are going to be responding. What that does, though, is it takes away from our ability to buy and purchase the the PPE and the equipment that they need uh, to stay safe. And so this program, uh, and we were lucky enough to get. Uh, about 35,000 from this program in the first year, this program has really helped us kind of uh, catch up with the low. We actually had firefighters sharing gear, uh, let alone not having second sets of gear. We're still trying to work towards that for, uh, to help our firefighters prevent cancer and do other things. But, um, but the reality is, is now we're starting to see the benefit of this grant program, giving our firefighters 
not only the the PPE that they have, but also the the wildland side of it. Because we were on the eastern Colorado side, um, we we fight wildland fires, but we, we we try to fight them much differently. And we didn't have the equipment we needed to save our firefighters or put them in uh, a safer area. So that this this has just been a huge benefit. And I got to be honest with you, Lisa. Without this grant program this year, we would still be running expired shelters. Uh, wildland shelters on our trucks right now. So that was a just a big change for us. Wow, that's that's great to hear that this has been so um, impactful to your department. So to really bring it home to the people that might be listening to this podcast, when you say you're they're sharing gear and it's expired shelters, what's the risk of the firefighter from having this type of gear? Well, it, 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 it's a it's variable from all the way down to uh, just protecting them in their ensemble from uh, from the the threat of cancer and some of the things that occur long-term, but also um, making sure that they have equipment that fits them correctly. And uh, so they're not, we, we've seen some major injuries and even deaths from uh, people that had uh, gear that was either expired or didn't fit correctly. And, and uh, on the Eastern slope of Colorado in the rural areas, that's even, that's, it's an even bigger problem for them. So uh, I think this helps everybody to start uh, kind of customizing what they can do to protect their people. What have your firefighters had to say about the, the gear as it's coming in? I know the bunker gear is not quite there yet. Uh, there's big backlog because we yeah. did order quite a bit of gear th- to cover a lot of the state. But what are, what are their thoughts on it? You know, it's funny. Uh, I had a lieutenant come into my office um, a few few weeks ago out of the blue, and he gave me one of the shelters for my command vehicle. Uh, and he said, Hey chief, I just wanted to thank you for, for the shelters. This means, this means a lot to us. And, you know, I was like, well, I didn't, I just filled out the grant. It wasn't that big a deal, but, uh, uh, the reality was they, yeah, they, they noticed the difference and they noticed that we're putting, uh, uh, protective equipment in their hands. That's up to date. They're also very grateful from the family side. The families know that we're putting, we're, we're doing everything we can to keep them safe in the protection we have. What do you think the biggest sort of um, impediment is to most departments in Colorado getting the gear that they need? I mean, is it because they have to pay for staffing, kind of like you mentioned? Is it, you know, other expenses? Is it, you know, the tax revenues just aren't covering the cost of what it is to be a firefighter? Yeah, all of the above. Um, you know, in rural Colorado's the areas with uh, fire protection districts are are uh, protecting the areas, we all know that they are, their sole revenue source is, is uh, property tax. And property taxes are being affected every year through legislation and through uh, variables and taxes and, and assessed values and things that are occurring. And they don't have any other way to, to find revenue. And that's, that's limiting them. So these grant processes for that are helping that. But uh, I'll tell you, um, in rural Colorado right now, I, I'm going to say it, we're in crisis mode. And uh, the crisis mode is that we we don't have and can't find enough firefighters and staffing to do the job on a volunteer basis. It's it's becoming a real problem for agencies in rural Colorado. The only option when those communities don't have the volunteerism that they once did, the only option is compensating the firefighters and compensating people to work there. And uh, that's where all their money is going to go. The limited assessed value and the limited revenue they get from as fire protection districts, they're going to have to start spending that money on salaries or uh, part-time positions to where they can still put people in the ambulances and fire trucks. That's where this grant's just critical because uh, that's otherwise money they would have spent on protective equipment or safety equipment. 
to get the job done. So you're going to see a big shift, I think, in, in the rural Colorado areas. So really one of the fundamental issues is are you spending the money on the people? So you have the people to answer the call. Absolutely. Or are you spending the money on the protective equipment so you can protect the people who are then protecting your citizens? Exactly. And um, how do you not balance an easy that? question. How do you balance that is the key. And um, it, it's, it's going to become a much bigger issue in the next uh, four to ten years probably, I think. Well, I'm – I'm excited that we were able to to help you guys out with this grant. I mean, it's we're just the pass through, so I really had nothing to do with it. But I I do. Um, it just makes me feel good to know that this is how it's working. Now, as I had mentioned at the beginning, we have the two different grants. So why why is the direct distribution? Um, that seems to just be one that people have gravitated to. What's you know that one? It's no outlay of money. So whereas the other one, you have to just get reimbursed. Why does that make that a challenge? Uh, I got to tell you, the direct distribution component is amazing because, first of all, financially, it's um, it takes out a lot of the work that otherwise agencies might not be able to do. Um, there's a couple of limitations in rural Colorado. They they either don't have or they have limited resources to do their financial work. So anytime they're writing checks and getting reimbursed, there's a lot of uh, accounting that goes along with that. This simplifies that. The firefighters can just simply get the gear they need, and that's really important. Uh, the other limitation, though, is even more important, and that that's that um, there are fire departments out there that can't afford, believe it or not, they don't have enough money in the bank to, to fund $34,000 or $15,000 worth of equipment and then wait to get reimbursed. They just don't have it. There are firefighters and fire departments I know of in, uh, in, uh, in our county that are actually using personal money to, to put fuel in the fire trucks. And so for them to be able to um, – to, to upfront that money to get the equipment. That's never going to happen. And what will happen from that is that they don't, they just won't apply. They never apply for grants because they can't afford to fund it up front. So the direct distribution component allows those agencies of all types to just to finally be contenders in the grant process and ask for that equipment up front. And that's, it's, it's critical. I think, I think we should continue that program. I agree. Let's hope we can do that. Um, one of the things that, that doing the director distribution really kind of limited us is what gear the departments could get, you know, because it had to come through the state and the way we had have to manage things. Right. You know, are there concerns out there that, you know, I'm not getting the exact helmet I want or, you know, I mean, we tried to make it with the SCBAs so that they get whatever they have for maintenance. But does that is that a concern that we're not able to really you know, cast a broad net across the wealth of stuff. I don't think so. I, I think, uh, first of all, in the rural areas of Colorado, they're just happy to get the gear. I mean, that's important. And more importantly, they're they're happy to get new gear. Uh, you know, most times they're getting hand-me-downs and, you know, um, secondhand equipment from larger organizations. So they're just happy for new gear. Um, when it comes down to it, though, uh, the reality is we can uh, – we can use what utilize whatever gears on the list, and they can choose from that. So if they know that they have a specific need for wildland equipment, they can go from that specified list that's on uh, DFPC's list, and and choose that equipment. I, I think it actually simplifies the grant process by doing that. Great, it simplifies it for us. That's for yeah. Sure. I think I think we should continue down that road. I don't uh, don't think we should change. Have there been other departments around you that also participated in this grant process and got funded? Absolutely. Um, there's a couple of agencies. We have seven agencies in our county, and I know regionally we have a huge uh, area of uh, chiefs that contact each other on a regular basis. Uh, the majority of them are applying for it. 
uh, like I said, the important component is that those agencies that didn't have the funding before to even go for a match, they're the ones that are starting to apply for it. And that's, that's big. That's big. That's so great to hear. Yeah, it's cool. Um, does does having this for you, getting this money, um, open up funding for other things? You know, for example, in, increasing training or maybe some advanced equipment that might be uh, helpful to the department? Or is this really like just a Band-Aid to get the, that gear and there's not – it doesn't free up money on your budget. It's – this is just stuff you need. Yeah, um, it's – I will tell you, in, in, in some senses, it's a Band-Aid because everybody needs more. We have mm-hmm. uh, 70 people on our roster. Um, we, were, we were approved for 15 sets of gear, which is amazing. Uh, of course, we could do 40 more um, and, and be in place. So the need is always going to be there. Uh, what we did with this, we, you know, our, our total grant uh, last year was $34,000, $34,800, I think. Um, what that did is it freed up some additional money to put towards other uses in our organization. It might be still capital uses, like capital purchases, but maybe we could apply our capital purchases to uh, EMS services that we still have to provide uh, because we didn't have to purchase this gear. So, yeah, we're able to uh, either move that money around um, or put it towards additional part-time staffing so that we can get more people in there. Um, absolutely. That's, that's critical for us. But I think uh, uh, more importantly is uh, it's, it's providing equipment and gear for agencies that otherwise in, in other cases wouldn't have had it. And that's, that's amazing. And that's what we've heard. And, and one of the reasons it was so important to do this direct distribution is not having that money, you know, not being able to even come up with $10,000 to buy a few sets of gear and then your people are out there really risking their lives for their community in gear that's just not going to sustain them. Yeah, and um, the application and process. Terrifying. It was so easy, Lisa. Yeah. It was, um, it, we've heard from so many chiefs that said, I, I just I can't do all this. They want three years of financials and all of this. We have to justify it and narratives and all of this stuff that they have to do for major grants. And uh, this one was a, a super easy process, and that was so appreciated on, on many levels. Thank you. Uh, you know, it, it was a team effort to get this. We have an advisory board that helped us with the, how we did the application process. And I think to every last one, it was, this is just important. We've got to get it out as fast as possible. Granted, we couldn't get it out even as fast as we wanted to due to, you know, we have to have a process. Like, Absolutely. We can't just like throw the money it. out there. Um, and supply chain issues, you know, have slowed things down. So I'm hoping you get your bunker gear. I hear it's coming uh, in February or March. So fingers crossed. Yeah, we're excited. Um, we're excited. It's going to be great. And it's just, it's been really exciting to see these small departments and, and things I did not know. Uh, seeing departments with the old yellow steel tank SCBAs. Now, some, most of them are using that for training, but the yeah. fact that they even have them and have to use them or departments that are sharing mass or you said sharing um, gear, if we want a fire service that can meet the needs of the communities and as Colorado grows and changes, meets the needs of Colorado, we really have to step up and make sure they're outfitted um, so that they can be safe. As I will tell everyone, my whole goal is a long career and a longer retirement. Mm-hmm. Don't want people to have the the cancers for the later time or, you know, the line of duty um, issues. Yeah, it's so scary. And for areas that uh, haven't been through that or don't know how to handle it. It's even scarier. And you know, uh, the majority of these people are, uh, that are receiving these grants are, are they're doing this for free. You know, they're, 
they're out there. They're not making it a career. They're doing it for their community. So we got to keep them as safe as we can. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up because that, that is true. I mean, the vast majority of firefighters in Colorado are volunteer or areas covered by volunteers. And those are your neighbors and, and family and friends. And, you know, we want to make sure they're all safe. But we also understand that the rural areas just don't have the funding streams. I mean, yeah. like you said, property taxes are changing and people are moving and it's even, it's just hard to get volunteers. So if you want them and you want to keep them, you need to try to provide them what they need to be protected. Absolutely. I agree. Um, agree. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I, I, I appreciate you coming and talking to us today about this because I don't think the vast majority of people in Colorado really understand who shows up at their door when they call 911 and what um, we all put out there. Um, from the time we have to spend a training and the time we have to spend responding and wanting to do the best we can for our communities. So it's again, great for the legislature to provide this funding to say, you know, we acknowledge that you guys do a great job and we want to support you as you do it. Yeah. I, I, I can't say enough for that. I, I appreciate what their efforts are. And then of course, just that the legislature is starting to prioritize or look at the fire service as a need. Um, I also will say it's step one in many steps, and I think we need to continue to ex- enhance this um, and and grow this further into uh, additional opportunities, for maybe for staffing, uh, expand the capital component. Uh, you know, we, we were just talking in a meeting today that we have a uh, a need to replace all of our SCBAs in our department. Well, that's that's a three hundred and eighty thousand dollar expenditure for us that we've been trying to save up for and plan for. Um, but we're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to have to borrow money to get that done. And so uh, these grant processes, as they would expand, could could maybe offset some of those impacts for us. I think we're all hopeful that this, this funding continues. We know we have funding for this grant for the next two years, which I'm thrilled about. And we'll just see what, what comes after that. But even uh, just $5 million this year, uh, a dent, a minor yeah. dent, maybe. But it's a dent that's going to really improve the lives of the firefighters in Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I know it's uh, incredibly appreciated from everybody I've talked to. It's it's a good program. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, per- participating in this podcast, and, and letting us hear that. You know, oftentimes we don't get to hear exactly how our programs are received, and we want to make sure. Um, I can say this is what I think the program needs, but it's important for me to understand from the community and from our. Uh, stakeholders from you, what it is you guys really need and see if we can't meet that a little bit better. It's amazing. Uh, and I will tell you, it's, you know, like we said earlier, it's without that grant funding for us that otherwise uh, those, that equipment wouldn't have been purchased. And so we'd still be operating on expired equipment, uh, even an agency, a mid-sized agency, my size. Um, so it's a, it's a very critical impact to the, to the state fire service. Well, fabulous. Well, thanks, uh, Chief. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Hopefully, we'll see next year uh, what we can do. Absolutely.